Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And we are back with an all new season of Freelance to Founder. Every week we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit FreelanceToFounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode to kick off season 10, we have a coaching call with Nikolai, a freelance Webflow developer living and working in New Zealand. Nikolai's entire freelance business completely turned around when he decided to focus exclusively on the tool Webflow, showcasing the power of finding your niche as a creative. And while Nikolai has seen a nice bump in new leads and more projects from sites like Upwork and networks like Dribbble, he's not 100% sure how to find more of his ideal target audience. And so from that question, Clay leads us into three ways he has successfully spied on his target audience to learn what their pain points are and eventually create the perfect product to sell them. It's a really exciting season opener and it all starts right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm joined today by my good friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey, Clay. Hey, always excited to be here. Always good to have you, my friend. And joining the two of us today on this coaching call is Nikolai. Hi, Nikolai. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Welcome to the show. We're excited to chat with you. We've been catching up a little bit off the air before we hit record, and I think we're going to have some cool stuff to talk about today. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Well, great. Let's start off like we always do by hearing a little bit more about your business. What do you currently do? What's your setup? What do you offer your clients? What does your business look like? So I'm currently based out of Wellington, New Zealand. So a tiny little, tiny little place. I mainly do Webflow development. So it's kind of a specific website building tool for those who don't know it. And a little bit of website design, but mostly just like that website creation and mainly for kind of SaaS or digital product companies is kind of the, the rough niche of, of who I focus on. And I also work with a couple of studios. In terms of what I like offer past website development, another big thing that I do is kind of SaaS uh, teams or, or development teams who are trying to move their marketing website to their design team. Because Webflow is like a tool that can be used by designers, I kind of help that transition to move to the, the marketing team. Okay, super interesting. So you're you're actually servicing clients almost exclusively who want to work on Webflow. Yep, 100% Webflow. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I don't know. I'm not sure we've had like a web designer on who have we Clay who works specifically mm. just with one tool like that. Yeah, I think this is. A, I think you're the first, at least the the only one that uh, that has expressed that they they've only yeah. worked with Webflow. Yeah, well said. You know, we've had 
have people who focus on like Shopify stores and that kind of thing. It's a, it's, I'd like to hear maybe your thinking, Nikolai, around, I think it's a good move. I'm curious why you, why you landed on Webflow, how that all kind of panned out. Like why, why do you work primarily with that tool? Um, I'm really glad you asked, actually. When I like actually decided to market myself as a Webflow developer, I got so much more work coming in. I think that's mm. when it, it was really sustainable for me to properly work full-time as a developer. But, you know, I, I found a tool. I, I started to really enjoy it. And then at, at, I just decided to see what would happen if I marketed myself as just using this specific tool. And I think it's helpful because I don't need to try and convince clients that you know, this is kind of the tool we're going to use or how to do it. So Mm -hmm. people who come to me are already in the mindset that they want to use the specific tool. And then we can still work on strategy in terms of how to get more conversions or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I really love that. And this is a a good example. You know, we've talked on the show a lot about niching or niching down maybe too early in your career, but it sounds like you, well, tell me how long, how long did you do kind of all sorts of web design before you decided you were going to niche down and really focus on Webflow? So I've, I've been doing it part-time for about three to four years on the side, but only for about six months. And again, it, it happened uh, when I actually became a, a Webflow developer rather than a, a kind of website designer or developer. And yeah, I just, because of that, I, I got more clients and was able to properly work full-time. Brilliant. I, I love that. Okay, so tell us the kinds of clients you're working with. I mean, you mentioned like like tech startups and that kind of thing. I guess I, what I'm asking is how many clients are you working with? What does your workload look like? So I usually, in a given like, at a given time, I'm usually working with maybe like 10 to 15 different clients. But in a given week, oh, wow. I'm only working with like, you know, let's say four to kind of six. I, I kind of let clients take their time to get back to me. I, you know, I do follow up when, when kind of there's still stuff to be done. But for the most part, I have a healthy amount that I can just kind of do the work that needs to be done and then wait for people to get back to me. I think the reason is that some of the projects aren't super, super urgent. They're just kind of, you know, slowly going along, updating the website when they have time. Yeah. And so are you on retainer with these clients or do they just, they reach out with something they need updated and then you bid them on it? And how how does your payment work? Not retainer. I would love to be retainer, but it's kind of, (laughs) they know that they can just come to me for Webflow stuff. So I don't usually have to bid. They usually just say like, hey, we have this page next or, you know, we need to go through and do an audit of of these couple pages. You know, when you have the time, it'd be great if you could get onto that. And I don't know, that kind of schedule works pretty well for me. Okay, yeah. And it sounds like even though you don't have the retainer clients, it sounds like your business is doing well. I mean, how, remind me, maybe you said already, how long have you been doing this on your own full-time? Full-time, only about six months. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I mean, that's a big deal, but things seem to be going well. No, things are going really well. Yeah. And it's at the point where I don't really have to reach out to new clients anymore, Uh, which is really good for me because, you know, for for the longest time, you know, as someone who wanted to do this full time, I could only really do it if I had enough clients and constantly reaching out to people and, you know, getting rejected made it really difficult. But Mm -hmm. now that that's Mm -hmm. not a problem for me anymore, I can focus on other business problems. It's pretty quick though, like six months and you're already at that that point. So that, that's a good. Yeah, thank you. I mean, again, I think the reason is because I've been doing it for a very long time, but I only just found a tool and focused on saying that I use this tool, which has really enabled me to just have really good growth. But I completely agree. It's been really crazy as soon as that changeover happened. 
And when you when you say you don't need to be searching for clients anymore, do you mean you have a nice, steady, healthy pipeline or that you have plenty of work? Because I, I guess I will push back just a little bit on the idea that if you have plenty of work, that doesn't necessarily mean you can stop with your sales processes, right? Oh, no, I completely agree, hands down. So I, in terms of an actual pipeline, I'm still working together a really solid way of, of dealing with clients when they come to me. But yeah, so I have a couple of different websites that I'm on that people can find my website through and then just kind of have a form that they fill out to contact me. And, you know, past that point, I'm, I just kind of see what they want to do and say, okay, well, let's get in a call and, and talk about that further. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on getting a really, really good pipeline. So it's more automated. But no, I completely agree. Yeah, getting new clients that. is still important to me. I'm just not having to kind of say, hey, do you guys need a website or anything? Right, yeah. Yeah, okay, I love that. So what, what kind of sites are you listing yourself on that you're getting inquiries? From. So uh, a while ago, I went, I put myself on Upwork and, you know, every now and again, that's always good because people can mm-hmm. send through offers or like requests to have a proposal. I'm also on a local one called uh, Unicorn Factory, which is like fully New Zealand based. And then I also just think being on kind of uh, dribble Instagram, just pushing work out there that people come across and then come to my website on. I love it. And are you, is it just you now? Any employees or contractors or subcontractors, anything like that? No, no. And that's one of the, the biggest things that I'm kind of wanting to work on next. You know, how do I get, delegate? What's the first thing that I should delegate? And yeah, how to grow from just being one person doing it. Yeah. I think that presents a great opportunity now to talk about your freelancer to founder scale. Listeners of the show know that everybody who comes on, by the way, if you want to come on the show, like Nikolai's on the show today, we would love to have you for an hour or so on a coaching call, you just visit freelancetofounder.com. There's a little microphone button or you can just scroll to the bottom of the page and it'll show you how to fill out the questionnaire, sign up and and get a time you can chat with Clay and myself. But Nikolai, you filled out the questionnaire to come on the show. And we ask everybody who comes on, where are you currently on the scale of one to 10, one being freelancer, 10 being founder? You put yourself at a two. And then we said in six to 12 months, where would you like to be? And you said a five. So I guess I'd love to get an idea of, of why you would put yourself at a two. What what kind of defines the two for you? And then this six to 12 month goal of being at a five, what in a perfect world would a, would a five look like on this scale for you in your business? Yeah, totally. So like right now, for the fact that I'm still working just by myself, and there's still there's still a lot that I'm working out. Mm-hmm. Just when I had to learn that, you know, my job was also sales and marketing and also like making content. I realized that there was a lot that I had to actually do even once I had enough work before I started <laughs> right. to to grow. But yeah, what I'm what I'm trying to move towards is I think again being able to kind of delegate out as much of the work that I can. I think more of the design and development stuff so I can move more towards strategy. And you know, so a lot of the studios that I that I work with have found a client, they've found their problem, they've found what they need, and then they go to freelancers to build the stuff. And you know, like moving towards that doesn't sound like a, a such a bad idea at all. Mm. Okay, I love that. So so in six to twelve, I mean that seems completely reasonable to me. In six to twelve months you start to build up this process where you maybe have contractors or work with other freelancers and start to build out this agency model. What's what's standing in your way? Like how can we help you? Oh, that's, it's tough. I just, I think I don't know what to delegate first. I feel like the first time that I do this is is going to be the most difficult for me. So I mm. guess, yeah, getting really confident because I think people come to me to do the thing. And so if 
that thing is the thing that I try and delegate. I don't know how to talk to clients about that. They'll like pitch that to clients that I'm not actually doing the stuff anymore. I think that's actually probably one of the biggest things. And we have a few episodes that haven't aired yet. <laughs> I will send them your way when they actually air because this is it's interesting that all of a sudden this has come up the last few episodes with a few different guests. But Clay, what's your take, man? So quick question. What what do you do that generates the most money for you? That is a good question. I mean, I think just the problem is when I develop websites fast for clients because I do it fast, it doesn't generate as much money but clients see it as valuable, so they are more valuable, so they come back to me. I mean, currently, I charge the same rate for everything, which, can I say my rate? Like, is that? Yeah, I mean, uh, of course. Yeah, sure. yeah, so it's like currently 100 an hour, and, you know, which is New Zealand dollars. I forget what that translates to um, mm-hmm. in America. Maybe that's like 75. So, yeah, everything's kind of the, the same to me. I guess I get the most oh. value when clients can give me work and I can work on it for long periods of time without having to email back. Okay. So, well, so I, the reason I'm asking that question is because there, you, every business owner has a variety of different things that they, they have to do, right? So it's, there's projects, there's administrative tasks, there's accounting, there's, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's sales activities, things like that, right? Blogging, marketing, whatever. So like, I think for you, and this is for everybody really, you have to determine what particular task do you do, like when you actually sit down and do it, actually generates the most money. And it sounds like, you know, usually like in, in our space, it's like doing the projects, right? There, we Occasionally we do find people who are like, well, I'm really good at selling. So like that's that's where, and they're not as efficient as doing the projects. So like I would try to determine what things that you do that generates the most money, and I would do those things and then delegate everything else. That's like that's kind of my Cliff Notes answer. So I don't know. Like Preston might have something different to say there, but that might be like a hard pill to swallow because there's going to be like those little things that you feel like that you shouldn't that you sh- you and you alone can only do. But the fact is, like you need to have somebody else doing that. Yeah, it's it's kind of tough because I feel like a lot of literature that I read out there is, you know, you should move towards strategy. And I, I'm not really at the point where I've figured out how to actually specifically sell strategy. You know, I can I can definitely, like I've automated a lot of the accounting and stuff. So all of that side, I mean, the admin side can be delegated. But like long term, mm-hmm. it's kind of, I feel torn because I feel like I want to delegate out the stuff that people come to me for. But then it's it's difficult to see what I'm actually moving towards. Yeah. I, I, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say like, yeah, you get, you got to get a, um, you got to get a pretty clear understanding as far as like where you want to go. Like what is the destination of your business? Right? So this is what a lot of business owners struggle with. And it sounds like you struggle with it a little bit too, is you don't know what the destination is, like where you want to be. And so what's really difficult is that you don't know which way to go. Uh, like you don't know the pathway to drive because you don't know your destination, right? And so like when, when I mean by destination, I mean like what is your, like in a perfect world, what does your business look like as far as like what you offer, right? So yeah, you bring up strategy. That could be an offering. You can have a other couple, a couple other things that you do. You you said you're not on retainer, but maybe you, you like you you said you want to be on retainer. So like, 
what is it that you want to offer? Is it like, is it retainer services, but also like not only retainer services, but like how, how many levels of retainer, right? So like, for example, like for me, my low level offering that I, that I offer in my business is $75 a month, but my really high offering is $3,000 a month. And so I actually spend my time on the $3,000 a month because that's where I generate the most revenue. And then everything else I delegate out to my team. And so like you kind of kind of you gotta have kind of have to figure out in your head, not concrete, but you gotta have kind of a general idea of where you want your business to to be in, in kind of this perfect world, I guess, so to speak. And I would say in addition to that, not only knowing where you want your business to be, but where you want you yourself to be and mm, how yeah, you're, you're going to fit into your business, right? Like if you, you know, let's say two years from now, five years from now, you you just want to be like making great websites. Well, then that's going to change what tasks you start to hire out for and delegate for. Uh, if you'd rather be like running the business administratively and strategically and and having other people do most of the day-to-day like creative work, then obviously you're going to start to de- delegate that earlier on. So it kind of depends. Tell us, tell us like, you know, what, what does your perfect job look like? And maybe even further out than we're talking now, six to 12 months, maybe in like two or five years, are you a CEO? Are you a creative director? What, what do you sort of picture your role being? Yeah, yeah, this is all, all really great points and, and a great question. I think uh, moving towards a kind of studio-based setup where I have employees um, isn't really the direction that I want to move towards. And I'd rather just work for um, better clients, solve bigger problems, um, and therefore grow uh, in that way. So, you know, a really good, like, long-term, whether it be like three or five years, um, is still, you know, working uh, just myself with um, like really big clients and then delegating out um, the actual doing work um, and just focusing on the strategy. But yeah, I'm not okay. super looking to grow into a, a massive um, studio kind of setup. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like no, you, you, you want to you wanna be almost the creative director, consultant kind of figure for for the people who hire you, bigger clients. And then you farm out maybe the the pixel pushing and the the smaller tasks that need to happen once you've identified the strategy and the direction. Yeah, definitely. Consultant is a great word. That's that's definitely mm. a, a perfect example of what I want to work towards. That's a that's a good that's a good model. Like that's the model that I have, right? So like the, the my 3k a month clients, like that's consulting. Um but like when I say consulting, like I still do the the actual execution when I say I my team uh, so like I handle the overall 30,000 foot view strategy, but then I go to my team and like, okay, here, we need to do this, 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 and this, and this, and they handle that stuff. And so like, you know, it can be employee or it can be a contractor or whatever, um, but you handle the overall strategy of it. So like, yeah, that's a good direction for sure. Cool. Yeah. And, and the way that you do it basically sounds like, you know, pretty damn close to the perfect setup long-term to be honest. So um, yeah, and I think a, a, a question with that is like, what does the next step look like? Like, if, if I'm still someone who's struggling to know exactly um, how to how to pitch strategy and then how to have really good conversations about strategy, um, then you know, what would be the next smallest step or a couple of steps um, towards the future, towards working that way? Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? 
Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Uh, so my two cents on this is that uh, you, you, I think you have to listen, right? And so like, obviously, like doing strategy is a validated service, right? Plenty of people do it. The question is, is that does your audience want it? And so like, because I know you work with like Webflow, um, but like, does your particular audience want that particular service? So I would say like, I would listen. And so what I mean by listen, I would, uh, every single time, like one of your, one of your clients says, oh, I wish I could do this, or I wish I could do that. Or if you're part of like some Facebook groups that have your, your audience in it, like just look at what they're posting too and see what the common problems are. Because I think what, what a lot of people, uh, a lot of, uh, business owners get stuck with, uh, and and they have this like tunnel vision, and the, and the fact that hey, I want to offer this this one particular service, right? Whether strategy or whatever it is, um, and they they get this tunnel vision where that's what they want to offer, and that's it. But the reality is, is their audience may want something else, and so like I would first listen to your audience and see what kinds of things that they're they're posting. Um, what kind of pain points that they have. And then maybe you can formulate a, a product or service around that um, and then go from there. Uh, because like what you're going to, the, the, the different level offerings that you're, gonna, you're going to sell 
uh, are a hell of a lot easier to sell when your audience is already expressing their pain points about it. Okay, yeah, that's so that great. brings no, up I a love question that, that um, I know. And I think. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're about to say what I was going to say. Um, yeah, so with my, I guess my question with that is um, knowing exactly where to find um, that specific audience that I have and really start to, to read some of the pain points that they're talking about because, um, you know, I struggle to know where to find them so I can start to, yeah, see what they're talking about, see what they're struggling with. And this, this is the perfect question to be asking because on the show all the time we're saying, uh, you know, just go where your clients are hanging out. Go find out where they're hanging out and go be part of that, right? You brought up a good question before we hit record, which is, okay, that's good advice, but like, how do I actually identify the places that my clients are hanging out? Um, is that, I mean, that am I articulating that the right way? You need to know, you're like, once I'm there, I know what to do. <laughs> the question is, how do I find those spaces in the first place? Yeah, basically, I feel like there are so many um, uh, different networks or places that I could possibly find um, clients, but I don't know specifically the audience um, that I have where they're hanging out. Yeah, Clay, how have you done that? Because I know you're a big fan of listening. Yep. And you're parts of groups uh, that you're able to listen and apply this advice you're giving Nikolai now. But how, how does he get started finding those groups in the first place? Yeah, there's three main ways that I do it, and which. Tid, like little side note, by the way, uh, if you do it, the, if you do these three, these three things, these three ways, you're going to be able to pre-sell this stuff before you actually have it available. Mm, yes, one hundred percent. I I am the king of pre-sells, and so we both like, love it so yes, much. It's like, and there's a way to do it. We can do a whole another podcast on on pre-selling and how to pre-sell. But I'm just making this a note. Like, it's easy to pre-sell whenever you actually do this. So. Um, on this question, three main ways you do it. Um, one is I, I, would, I would be a part of uh, as many Facebook groups where your audience, uh, where you think your audience uh, lives. And so... Um, lives you, like, like geographically or... No, 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 no they, like hangs out, right? Okay, not, 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 yeah, good question. Yeah, sorry, just, just, <laughs> making, sure, just making sure we're being clear. So, so he would search like, uh, I mean... Nikolai, what I mean, what kind of terms do you think you could search in Facebook to find a Facebook group of potential clients? Um, yeah, that's it's. I guess it's the question of because I see my audience as being SaaS and digital product. Like, do they say SaaS? Do they say digital product? Like, mm, what yeah. specific mm -hmm. words do they use? Um, but I think so you got to figure out like that. how they're talking about themselves. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So, like, I. You know, I I wouldn't go by I wouldn't actually search by by search terms, right? I like I wouldn't go to Facebook. I mean, you could, but I I, I that wouldn't be my first thing. Is I wouldn't put in like SaaS groups, right? Um, what I would do is uh, uh, like who uses SaaS, right? Who 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 does who or not who uses it, but who creates a SaaS product? Usually, it's startups, right? So, like for example, um, there's a group here in Austin called Austin Startups. Right, so startup groups might be a good place for you to go, um, or it could be uh, like an entrepreneurial group. I don't know. Like this would require. I'm I'm just like giving you random ideas, but you'd have to do a little bit of research and figure out what Facebook groups that they're a part of. Um, you may have to like join a whole lot of them before you figure out which ones are actually good. Because like I, mm, yeah, my experience is that most of them are crap. Um, and but 
You have to join a lot of them. Start listening. Um, I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups where I do not say a thing. Um, and and I do engage. I do engage in some groups. I'm highly engaged in some groups. Um, but there are some where I don't say a thing. And like I I, I do that on purpose, one, because I just don't have the time to go and, and engage in Facebook groups. Um, but two, I, I am a huge lurker in these groups. Um, and I am specifically looking at what they're saying as far as pain points. Um, so that that's that's the first place I would look at is Facebook groups. Um, I love that. And can I offer a concrete example of this yeah. play? I um, started a little side project um, supporting bloggers who are built on WordPress. And it's called Handy WP. And we basically do like for bloggers who hate the tech side of blogging. WordPress. They hate the code. They hate all that. We basically help them out with that stuff. So um, I just joined like a bunch of blogger groups, knowing that not everyone would be on WordPress, but a large majority of people would be on WordPress. And I joined, like you said, a bunch of groups and probably two or three of them kind of rose to the top after a few weeks. Um, I, I either left the other ones or just they stopped showing up in my feed because I didn't interact or whatever. But um, you know, these three groups alone, like really helped us refine our product because people were naturally already asking for help with certain things. So it was like, initially, we didn't, um, we didn't specifically offer anything to do with website speed. Meaning, if people asked, we would help them with it. But like, we didn't put it on our sales page or anything. But so many people were asking about speed that we'd moved that to the top of like our benefits, (laughs) like we'll speed up your website. So um, you can learn a ton from just being in groups with people. For us, it was just searching the term blogger in in Facebook groups. And mm-hmm. there was more than enough options to choose from. I think you could easily, Nikolai, find like SaaS founders, startups, like, like Clay is saying. I think there's just so many groups like that. And a couple will rise to the top and you'll be able to learn a ton from them. No, that's great. That's great. And honestly, just just knowing that I have a like to start on Facebook is already really, really helpful. Because again, there are so many different um, social options and Twitter and, and LinkedIn and Instagram, yada, yada. Um, but just knowing that I should start on Facebook to look around is yeah, really there's, helpful. There's something nice about Facebook groups where not only do people with similar needs tend to congregate, um, but also like people tend to go there to ask questions that they can't ask at Google. So instead of, you know, or honestly, sometimes they ask questions that you can put into Google and it's really annoying. Like you could have just typed that in search, but... I love it when people do that because then that <laughs> tells me what I need to sell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think, yeah, there's 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 something about Facebook groups. I don't know what it is, but I've found the same thing where it's like people just like to post their problems there and it's free, automatic, auto-generated market research. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really interesting point. If you wanna if you wanna dive really good, like really deep into that, um, I I'm a part of a couple of groups where they're paid groups. I I, I pay money every single month to be a part of it. Um there, this this is a much longer term game, but the the amount of business you get out of it is so much more. Is uh, if you can be a part of a group where someone has a very 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 strong influencer influence over these people, and then get involved with the group, get involved with the person who owns the you know whatever membership this is, like then you can become like the guy. Um, and so like that's that's how I am. I'm part of a group that has 700 members all paying members and I am the one literally the one web guy in that group and everybody uses me in that group. 
I get like three to four uh, new clients just from that group every single month. And so that takes a little bit longer. Um, it takes a little bit more effort. But like once you got that thing locked down, it is you get so much business from it. Yeah, I love that. That's really good advice. Uh, so like, let me go, let me go to this, this, the, the other two things, right? So the, the second thing's pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, Rand, uh, I think his name, Rand Fishkin, uh, he's a big SEO guy. Uh, he went and started a company called sparktoro.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, we're not affiliated with them or him. Um, I just know uh, of the tool and it's pretty useful. If you go there and you just put in a search term um, in there. So like, for example, you said that you, you, you uh, uh, deal with people who are exclusively for for Webflow. So I just put in the word web. I searched the term Webflow, um, and what it, what this tool does is it tells me it tells me the top places that most of these people that that mention the word Webflow hang out. So like I put that in there, and like one of the top things in here, I've never heard of this magazine before, but Smashing Magazine. Um, it says like 30.5 yeah, web design blog. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, like it just tells you, uh, like top social accounts that people who mention, uh, uh, web flow pretty often top social accounts that they follow and engage with top websites that they visit. And so that top podcast they listen to. So it's a free tool. I think it's like a freemium where it's like free to use for, you get a certain number of times you can use it per day or whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, like you can go down the rabbit hole with this, but that that's a, it's a good place to start right there. Um, and so that might give you some ideas. Like if you ever want to look into sponsoring things, like if you ever want to sponsor Smashing Magazine, I don't know what it looks like or sponsor a podcast, like that might be a good place to look. Yeah, that's really interesting. What, what was the name of that again? Uh, Spark. Toro.com. It's S-P-A-R-K-T-O-R-O.com. Love that. Cool. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I have to say, and this is probably the best way to, to get, get the information on where your audience hangs out, is just straight up ask your ideal client. And so there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. Um, the wrong way is just to, fill, just to create a survey monkey thing and just send it out to your email list, mass produce, right? Um, that's the wrong way to do it. Uh, the The best way to do this is to choose your top five clients that you love working with and they are very profitable to work with. So choose your top five. Uh, create a survey um, like on Typeform or Google Forms or something, right? Jotform, whatever you want to use. Create a, create a, a survey that has a whole bunch of questions that uh, that ask, you know, it's questions about them, right? Where do they live? Where do they hang out? What hobbies do they do? Um, do the, are they married? Or do they have kids? Like all the demographic information that you could possibly know, and send them an individual email, and just say, hey, would you mind taking like ten to fifteen minutes to fill this out? Um, in exchange, I'll give you like a fifty dollars gift Amazon gift card or something like that. Um, because if they're honestly, if they're your top five client and you've been taking care of them, they're gonna have no problem filling that out. But like, I would just entice them even more. Just to just give them a gift card. It's gonna cost you a couple hundred dollars to do, 
but that information that you get back from them is going to be super valuable. And so because like the reason I say they're your top five most profitable ideal client is because you want more of them. And so figure out where they hang out and what they do. And because like if, if for, for example, if, if all five of them for some reason uh, all like to do outdoor activities, but like you, know, like you didn't know that, but they all like to do out, outdoor activities, like, okay, maybe there's a trend there. Like, who knows? Um, and so, or maybe they're all like, they're all married and have big families, right? They have a ton of kids. So maybe you could find some place where there's like a Facebook group that has business owners with families, right? Who ha- who juggle family and business at the same time. I'm, I'm pretty sure it exists. There's tons of Facebook groups out there. Um, <laughs> anyways, my point is just go collect data straight from the source, which is going to be your top five ideal clients. And I'd even say if you wanted to, you could hop on the phone with your top five clients. I mean, yep. you're probably talking with them anyway. It would be super natural to just uh, hop on a call. And instead of starting right away with business, you start with more casual questions that will help you understand them a little bit more like, hey, you know, what'd you do over the weekend or whatever. And if you find that, yeah, everyone went to the same sports game over the weekend or everyone went to the same movie over the weekend, like you start to draw similarities and connections between your best clients. And then you can start to target people by those interests, whether you do, you know, paid, paid advertising, you can target by interests on Facebook, you can um, find groups of those interests, like Clay was saying, there's lots of ways, but yeah, you do, you have to know what your ideal client looks like before you can ever go find them. Mm. You know, the cool thing, gone, you know, the cool thing about this too, is it gives you gift ideas. So like your top five ideal clients, like so, Preston's idea. If if they go to, if they all, uh, for for some reason, all decide they love soccer. Do you guys call it soccer there, or you call it football? Uh, a bit of both. The people who say oh. um, soccer, the uh, the football people get frustrated at. But you know, uh, okay, <laughs> okay. So whatever you call it, soccer, football, whatever. Um, let's just say they all decide they. Or you you find out that they all love that that sport. Well, guess what you could do for your top your top ideal clients that love that sport. You can go buy them uh, uh, some VIP like uh, ticket to a game tickets to a game, and so what that does is that it, it keeps your ideal clients around. Um, they are super happy because that is an unexpected gift. And then you know what will happen whenever you actually decide to put out there a retainer uh, service that you that you haven't put out there yet, but and you announce it, they're probably going to hop on that because they remember that you bought them soccer tickets. That's great. I love that. All right, so, Nikolai, uh, yeah. what's what's resonating here and what, what direction should we take the remainder of your call? We've got maybe maybe 15 minutes or so left. I, I want to make sure we cover everything you wanted to chat about today. I think that was a good riff on how to know where your clients hang out, how to find them, how to know who they are. Um, do you feel like we can close that section and then where should we go from there? Yeah, I think we can. If we were to double down talking about clients, though, it'd it'd be good to uh, talk a little bit more about whether to focus on um, local or like uh, clients in the same uh, country as me, or um, whether I should try and open myself up to work with anyone around the world um, and, and do that by getting really specific about what I do. Okay, I love that question because when Clay was talking about Facebook groups, I was actually reminded of my buddy Bobby, who we've had on the show. He joined a local networking group that was like an in-person networking group. And it kind of sounds archaic to those of us who are very much online these days. 
Uh, but he joined this group and he's gotten so much business from it because kind of like Clay said, how Clay's the only web guy in his Facebook group, Bobby's kind of the only video and content guy in his group. Of, and they intentionally do that. So like they'll only let in mm-hmm. so many accountants or they'll only let in so many whatever lawyers or whatever. Um, and so they only let in one or two video and content guys. And so then if anyone in the group needs content, they call up Bobby. And it's this cool little small network that they've built to support one another. So there is definitely a benefit to like staying local, focusing local. Bobby's done that and he's made a nice business for himself. I don't know, Clay, what's your take on this local versus global client audience? I think it's a really good question, um, especially during COVID right now. Uh, it could, and plus, like, I think we're going to have another shutdown uh, with, uh, with the new uh, president. Um, but you're not, you know, you're not US based. So I don't know how it's going to affect you in New Zealand. Um, but I obviously you guys are affected by COVID. So, you know, it's, I, I think, I think it's more important to think about what type of client that you have versus like local versus global. Um, I, I think it's, I think it is a mistake to ignore local. It does sound less sexy to be like, I only do business locally. Um, and I will tell you, like my marketing agency that I used to own, um, that I, I so I grew it to uh, over a million dollars in annual revenue in just four short years. That was wow. mostly local business. Like we mostly did local business in a city of three hundred thousand people, and so it it wasn't that big, right? And so um, I don't ignore the. This is what I'll say: don't ignore either one of them. Like if somebody wants to do business with you virtually, uh, don't, I, I would say don't ignore it because in this COVID world that like, just, I would say, figure it out. Um, also don't ignore local because in my opinion, the local businesses have more money to spend uh, or, or let me rephrase, are more willing to spend more, more money uh, versus people virtually, um, just generally speaking. Um, Meaning so, sometimes people will pay a premium, right? To have a, yes. someone local, someone they can call in their own time zone that speaks their native language, that understands uh-huh. their local culture. Like sometimes that's important to a company. 100%. Um, yeah, where you might not get that through someone working in a different country, doesn't speak fluent their language, fluently their language, et cetera. Yeah, I, I would say, I would be willing to bet you would be able to get close to double your fee for local business owners or oh, lo- wow. your local audience. Um, I just know that 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 was from my experience because like the 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 people that want to work with someone locally, they are willing to pay more money, 100%. Um, so I would not ignore that either. So I would I would actually focus more on what type of client it is. So like I I wouldn't like you mentioned SaaS earlier. Um, so like what I what I wouldn't do is I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh go like say you do SaaS, but then like, but you also do, uh, you also cater to like local HV, uh, heating and air company. Um, so, cause the, I'm sure those processes are quite different. And so like, if you do it that way, then you're not going to be very efficient because it's a different process process versus, versus another. Um, like for me, I, I don't, I don't deal with e-commerce companies because that is a whole different animal versus the audience that I do cater to which is low, which is service providers. Like I cater to uh service providers that 
do business on a local level. Even though I do have those clients all over the country, they themselves only service their local area. Um, so that's the kind of, or that's the type of client that I deal with. That's my ideal client. Um, so I, I would, I'd say that's more important as far as like where they live. I don't, I don't think you have to choose whether it's local or global. Um, just don't ignore either one of them. I wouldn't choose one or the other, especially in this world right now. This is particularly interesting because your your ideal client would have to also exist in your city, state, country, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't just make people appear. So, like, if you're trying to serve SaaS companies, honestly, there's going to be a lot of people in San Francisco that you could potentially reach reach out to, right? But there's also a lot of people other places globally. So, what's what's uh what's hitting the mark here, Nikolai? Where have we gone astray? What what uh what's resonating? What's not? No, I think it's all really good. I mean, I'm loving all of this advice about um, you know how to how to find bit of clients um, and the kind of clients to find. So I think it's all really good. Yeah, I think uh, like if there's a, a last thing to kind of note on, it's how to change um, how you talk about yourself or like the marketing that you do to suit those clients better. Like how how your uh, copy changes whether you're talking to someone locally or globally, is that what you're saying? Uh, not just locally or globally, but also just focusing on a more specific niche or like ideal client. So yeah, definitely language or maybe like the problems that you talk about. Um, I think at times I, I struggle uh, exactly with the kind of um, wording to use or like super specific problems um, that like SaaS companies have. Um, you know, places, uh, th- there are places that I can touch on um, but definitely when it comes to to wording, I struggle a bit. Yeah, for me, the best copywriting advice I've ever received, hands down, is that you should uh, use conversations with your audience to craft your copy. So um, you have to talk to enough people. This comes back to what Clay was saying before about listening. You have to talk to enough people that you know how they talk about their industry. Uh, and then honestly, you just you start to pick up like patterns of how people are talking about themselves and their products and their company, how they're talking about the problems that they face. You start to pick up how they talk about it. And then you're able to just reflect that back in your own writing. So, you know, for us, we, I mean, we've done so many of these podcast episodes now, like it would be very easy to just say, in fact, in fact, we're doing this, we're, th- we're doing a challenge in January uh, around recurring revenue, because so many people come on the show, and they're like, how do I get retainer clients? How do I get recurring revenue? How do I, how do I get predictable money every month? And so these we use these kinds of words and questions in our own copy on that challenge to entice people to, to join it. Um, which by the way, you can join at freelance to founder.com slash challenge, you're going to throw that little plug in there, but it's going to be super fun. But but um, but if you use if you talk to enough people, you can use their own language to to bring them back in and entice them. Yeah, I so that yeah, that's good. I would say in addition to that, so let me let me just tell you my experience with this because, like, you, I, I'm sure you want bigger and better clients, right? Just like everybody else, you want a higher fee, you want a retainer fee. Um, so this is my experience with that. Um, uh, one, I. Did you did I get this wrong? Did I hear you charge on an hourly rate? Is that correct? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's going to be a struggle to get out of the hourly rate, but you know, okay. I'd love to get out of that. Uh, all right, so like we Preston and I've done a whole another episode, like more probably probably more than one uh about getting away from hourly. So straight up, I would I t- today I would figure out how to get away from an hourly. I would go st- straight to a monthly 
But like, if you want to, um, uh, I mean, I know I'm kind of getting off a little bit off topic here because we're talking like, oh, what kind of wording should I use like for my target audience? But I just know that you want to get more retainer clients. So let me tell you, this is my experience. Retainer clients that are willing to pay a higher fee straight up want to be told what to do. Straight up. They do not want, they like, they don't want someone who, and I, I don't know how, how you talk to your, to your audience right now, but they, they don't want someone where they have to tell them what to do. They want, they want to hire somebody and that particular person, which is you, they want you to tell them exactly what they need to do, especially, and I want to talk about this right now because it's COVID, especially in this COVID time because they are scared and they don't know what to do to, to uh, cause they're not only looking to just not like not thrive, but they're looking at surviving. And so uh, they just need someone like you to tell them exactly what to do. Here is the game plan and you have to do this. Otherwise your business will die. Right? So that's been my experience over this last year is that is what they want. The people who have money want to hire somebody like that. Yeah, that's super interesting. No, that actually helps me think uh, uh, think about it in a, a lot um, better of a way. Yeah, it's like basically um, they don't want to be kind of uh, going through the stuff together. Um, they just want like mm-hmm. people who are confident in knowing, you know, what to recommend um, and then yep. to go away and do that thing. Yeah, the confidence, right? The confidence yeah. is the is the thing. So like, and this is, I like COVID or not COVID, this is true, like evergreen. If someone has confidence, and I mean, not, not cockiness, okay, but confidence in, in what they do, and they straight up tell the client, this is exactly what you need to do, um, that, that client will pay so much money for that person because they just don't want to deal with it. And so like, you know, I, I see it all the time. I see like these freelancers um, who are, who will, um, I, you know, it's so funny. I get these pitches too. And they like, I guess apparently they don't do the research on what I do, but they're just like, Hey, uh, you know, have you ever thought about doing a web, a new website and blah, blah, blah. Like, don't ask the, don't ask the client the question. Have you ever thought about doing a website? I just straight up tell them you need a new website. Your website sucks. The conversion design on that website sucks. You're probably getting a ton of traffic to the site, but you're probably getting no sales because your website sucks uh, and and your website's a bottleneck. Like you need to straight up t- change your website design. Like I just straight up tell them. I don't ask if they if they ever thought about it. And so like having that confidence, man, that's what people want. The people, at least the people who have a lot of money to spend. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think um, that touches on like a, a- I don't want to ask another question, but like, um, that's, it's a really interesting way of, of viewing outbound because, um, yeah, sometimes I, I feel like I shouldn't do outbound or, um, you know, tell people, recommend stuff to people, but no, that's really interesting that, um, to, to view it that way. Ask us, ask us your question. We're good. Yeah. I'm curious. We've got a few now. minutes here. Yeah. yeah you okay, can't so say that and not now. ask it. <laughs> I feel like, like I've always thought of outbound as what you do if, if you don't have enough clients, you know, it's saying like, hey, I need work. Mm. Um, so like, can I do stuff for you? Um, so I've never been able to view outbound in a, in a really professional um, 
you know, fr- from a place of, of someone who really knows what they're doing uh, and, you know, wants to recommend? Um, you know, I, so let me say this, just a side note. You know, if you're struggling with revenue, when I say you, I'm not talking about you, Nikolai. I'm talking about just you in general. Um, I would say if, if you're struggling with revenue, like you do, you basically do whatever you can to get revenue in. So let me just say that little tidbit. Um, just because yeah, you there's have to no pay shame bills. in any kind of selling, right? <laughs> no as shame. long as, as long as you're not hurting innocent people or something, there's no yeah. shame in like any kind of selling at all. Yeah. So I I would say the better way. So I'd say here's the problem with 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 uh, the way most people do outbound is they do it transactionally, right? So they are trying to do outbound sales or outbound, uh, I, yeah, I guess it is sales, outbound sales on a one-to-one interaction. So they're, they're trying so hard to try, like, to try to interact with this one particular person to try to get that one sale. And then if they, whether they get it or not, then they move on to the next person and try to get that sale. Um, so like the problem with that is that it's it's finite. You can only do that so many times in a day. Um, and your effort is being focused on one particular individual. So the, that's the problem I have with it. A better way to do this is that if you want to like go, like I would go be strategic about it. So very real life example is this Facebook group that I mentioned earlier that I am a part of the membership. It is going to take a little bit of time, but what I did was, is that I joined the membership. I got to know the the person um, who's in charge of it, and you know I got engaged with the group. I started you know uh, interacting with with uh, the people in the group, but not just the people in the group, but like the the actual person who owns this group. And and what I did was, and I said. Hey, let me do your website because it's going to be amazing. Because you and I was confident. I said you need to do this, this, this. I'll do it for free, right? There's nothing wrong with doing free work. I don't like. I that's a highly debatable thing. That some people are probably listening. Oh, you should never do free work. Like, nah, there's strategy. nothing wrong. It's yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing free as long as it's super strategic. And so what I did was I made the deal with this guy. I said, let me do your website in exchange. You have to give me an endorsement and shout outs to this group uh, periodically, right? And so, and I, I did this because I know this guy has super high influence over this group. Like he puts something out there and they just straight up buy it. And so whenever I did that, um, he endorsed it. He endorsed it publicly in this group. I got so much business from this from that endorsement. And he still endorses me even to this day. I went to a workshop uh, just last weekend and there was uh, uh, over 100 people in the room. He gave me like 10 shout outs and I walked away with $4,000 a month in recurring revenue all because I did a free website. And so that's the type of outbound uh, sales and marketing I would do is you go and find someone who's like super influential and repeat, rinse and repeat. And I would do that multiple times. Yeah, that's really brilliant. I love that. All right. Well, I feel like we've had a, a nice long chat today. Nikolai, do you feel like we've tackled what you wanted to chat about? Do you feel like you have maybe some good next steps to take in, in uh, you know, moving up that freelancer to founder scale? Definitely, yeah, and I think um, I think I still have uh, a good amount of research to do um, about my exact audience and and where to find mm. them. And 
and how to talk to them. So I think next steps is just, um, you know, going and, and trying to talk to more of my specific audience and just, I think, getting to know them better, trying to, trying to rub shoulders with them a little bit more. Um, and so that, you know, any strategic decisions that I make going forward, I can make it in a place of, of confidence of like knowing my true audience. Yeah, I think that's really smart and a nice way yeah. to sum up a lot of what we've talked about today. We appreciate you coming on the call, Nikolai, and we wish you a, a lot of luck. Hopefully we can stay in touch and see how your business goes over the next few months and years. Thank you so much, guys. This has been really helpful. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Nice cool. to chat thanks with you. Awesome. See ya. See ya. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya. See ya.